0: Good morning, Westside. Merry Christmas. It is so good to be here this morning and to celebrate the fact that hope is born. So also too, um, I'm just whether you're in person this morning, whether you're online, uh we're thankful that you're here. And then it's also great just to have a lot of new faces in in our audience this morning. And then also too, it's already been mentioned, super stoked this morning that the kids are with us this morning, as well as our good friends from Jesus es el Camino Inglesia are here with us this morning too. So a shout out to you this morning. So we are carrying on our series Far From Home and we're doing it this morning with a bit of a Christmas twist to it So when you get asked to do a Christmas message, there's a bit of fear and kind of trembling with it because it's a big deal You know, you're talking about the Christmas story and also it's a story that's been talked about for thousands of years so i go to the elders i say okay uh what do you okay uh, let me think about this let me pray about it what do you want me to talk about here and i go do you want me to talk about priests well no we don't want you to talk about that I okay um how about how about the wise men the magi they're kind of cool now we don't want you to talk about them all right, uh, how about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus? Yeah, you can talk about Mary and Joseph, uh, but we want to focus on uh, the Lord Jesus, definitely. But that's what we want, want you to hit on uh, right away. And then, uh, can I talk about shepherds? You know, they're kind of, they don't get a lot of love. Can we talk about the shepherds, angels? No, we don't really want you to talk about that. So I go, hey, all right, what do you want me to talk about here? And they go, could you please talk about this? Like, okay. Jesus fleeing with Joseph and Mary taking the, the young child Jesus and going to Egypt. And I go, well, okay, it's part of the Christmas story there in Matthew chapter two. Uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but they said, Kennedy, hey, could you talk about this part of the Christmas story? And then, hey, could you somehow tie it into the exile series, the far from home series that we're working on? Okay. Uh, let's see if we can do that this morning. No small feat. So thank you very much. Let's see how it goes. So then I go, okay, I've I got this challenge before me. How do I handle this? So I said, maybe let's Let's think about things a little differently this year. said so we got the kids in the house, you know, we're pro kiddo here at Westside, so we got the kids with us this morning. Could I work something in? And I'm a big Marvel uh, nerd and geek, so I said, let's well, kind of maybe we work this in this morning, you know, there was Spider-Man, he was far from home, and then there's no way home, and I go, maybe we work in something like that this morning. And I said, nah, you know, that just doesn't seem to fit. So here's what I came up with this morning that I'd like to kind of talk and share with you. And that's just what's been on my heart. It's simply this. We've been singing about him this morning. Jesus, the exile and the king who came to save. And so I just have one question for you this morning. And it's simply this. How will you respond to him? How will you respond to him? Because when you check out Jesus in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels there, what you see is when he encounters people, he typically asks for a response. So that's what I'm going to ask of you this morning, whether you're new in the faith, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a lot of years, or whether you you're, don't believe in this and you're just checking it out. I would ask you this morning to consider that question. How will you respond to him? So let's talk about what an exile is. Because, um, you know, you might not know what an exile is or have some type of framework. So where do we go to find out what something is? We go to the dictionary. And what do we have there from Collins Dictionary? It says this. As someone, an exile is someone living in a foreign country because they can't live in their own country. And I said, okay, that seems like a good definition, but can we really relate to that? I mean, how many exiles do you know? Have you ever been an exile? I mean, and I'm thinking like, how could I relate this to everybody here this morning? And I said, oh, let's talk about this. An exile really is someone who doesn't fit in that just don't fit in. And I go, oh, I can work with that. So here's what I'd like you to do this morning. I'd like you to think about a time where you didn't fit in. Think about it for a moment. Then I'm going to ask you to shout out one word on how that made you feel. Think about a time where you didn't fit in. How'd that make you feel? Shout it out. Shout it out. How did it make you feel? One word. What, sorry, what do you got? Lonely, what else? Foreign, okay, what else? Sad, okay, in the back there? Awkward, Awkward okay, yeah. These are all words that kind of sum up kind of this, this feeling of exile, this feeling of I don't quite fit in. So let me share you a time in my life where I didn't fit in. So that's where I grew up. That is Laguna Beach, California. That is Crescent Bay. I could see it in my house. That was down there. I basically grew up on that beach. It was awesome. I grew up as kind of one of those long-haired, yes, I know I had long hair back then. I had lots of long hair. And I know it's laugh now. There you go. It could happen to you one day. But, yeah, you know, I was. you know, there you go. But, you know, I was there. I was kind of your typical surfer boy. Loved that place. Lived there until I was 16. And then when I was 16, I got, my mom gave me some news. He said, Hey Kennedy, 30 days we're moving to this place. Junction City, Oregon. And I go, I knew where Oregon was because I was pretty good in geography, but I go like, Junction City, Oregon, okay, Laguna had 24,000 kind of this sleepy, awesome bedroom, this kind of beach bedroom community. And I'm going here and like, okay, they, not that there's anything wrong with Junction City, but, uh, they had farmers there and cowboys. And I'd never seen a farmer in my life, and I'd never seen a cowboy in my life. So I show up junior year, 16 years old. I roll into Junction City High School. I'm going through the hallway there, and I'm in my—I got my long hair, got my shorts, got my flip-flops, Hawaiian shirt— and I, walk, I encounter this guy and he is massive. He's got cowboy boots on, cowboy hat, he's got these tight jeans. Like, I don't know how we got into those jeans. Are like, you spray paint them on? I don't know how the heck. He's got this tight shirt, muscles bulging, makes a beeline to me and he says, This I don't like your kind boy. And I go, Oh, okay. Uh what kind what what kind do you don't you like? And he says, I don't like your blankety blank, blank blank. California kind. And I go, oh, this is going to be an interesting couple of years. I oh, It's going to be really rough. And I'll tell you how I felt at that time. I felt lost. I felt confused. I felt isolated. And I felt angry. That's kind of how I felt. I did not quite fit in. So a lot of you know the Christmas story. Some of you don't. So I want to just do kind of a get everybody on the same page here and talk about the Christmas story. And then we'll talk about this whole concept as Jesus as exile and king. So let's talk about what's going on at the time of when Jesus comes into this earth. Well, the nation of Israel is under occupation. They've been conquered several times. Most recently, they've been conquered by Rome. Look it up in the history books, Rome Rome is brutal, Rome is oppressive, and Rome is nasty to be under. So that's the context of their their ruling authority there. And then the nation of Israel always had a special place with God, always did. And uh, it was a nation that had always heard from God, whether it was from priests, whether it was from prophets, judges, whatever. They had always heard from God. And for 400 years, since the prophet Malachi spoke to them, They hadn't heard a thing. So it's like radio silence for 400 years. And then this promised Messiah that these prophets and priests and judges, they talked about this coming Messiah. It seemed like he would never, ever come. And this Messiah, who they hoped to come, would free them. He would be a conquering Messiah. He would free them from the oppression of Rome. And he would set up this new glorious kingdom that had been prophesied long ago. That's the context of the times that we're in here in the Christmas story. And then after 400 years, God moves. At the right appointed time in his eternal timeline, God moves and stuff happens an angel shows up to zachariah the priest and what does he say he says he says you're going to have a son and that son's going to be great and he's going to he's going to be the forebear he's going to be the herald of this this messiah who is coming and then god shows up to a virgin named mary and and says you're most favored of God. And he says, you're a virgin and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to give birth to the son of God. And then the then the the God appears to and through a dream to Joseph and said, "I know your wife is pregnant, but you know, take stay with her because what uh what is inside of her is divine. And you're going to give him this child some special names. You're going to call him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And you're also going to call him, he's going to be known as Emmanuel. God with us. And then you get the magi. So I love the magi. I love that you get to the magi here. These are wise men, right? These were these were like people who would come and when they showed up, major events happened. They, they basically gave signs of approval on things that were happening in the time. So we got the Magi there in this story. They're coming to proclaim the birth of the newborn king of Israel and kind of my favorites, the shepherds. The shepherds don't get a lot of love, okay? They're just kind of out there in the field. It's cold. It's wet. So the shepherds come. Angels show up. They announce that this 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 newborn king, this Messiah, great news of good tidings, unto you that's we have a messiah is born go find him in bethlehem and oh by the way go tell everybody you find on the way so this is god moving this is the christmas story and then those verses that the elders gave me what happens here he flees Something significant happened. So if you have your scriptures, let's read these verses together. There's part of the Christmas story that we really probably never ever really focus on much. Matthew chapter 2, we'll pick up there in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he... And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. We don't talk about that. In the Christmas story. So if you back up a few verses to the start of uh, Matthew chapter 2, the Magi show up. There are people who announce important things. They like pronounce their blessing on these important events. And they come to King Herod. He was the ruler and despot of the day. And uh, they said to him, you know, uh, where's this king of the Jews that we may find him? And then we can go worship him. Right. And King Herod, you know, when you have a king and a a despot, what do they typically like to do? Do kings like giving up power? No, they don't like giving up power at all. They like to cling to power. So what he says is, okay, hey, go find this child and then tell me so I can go worship him, too. That's that's the that's the play here. And, of course, the Magi don't go and do that. And so uh, so we have Herod trying to find this child who will usurp his throne one day and be king of the Jews. So then God, through a dream, speaks to Joseph and said, you know what, you need to go and leave and flee to Egypt, of all places. So if you have any familiarity with the Bible, you will know that Egypt is an important part of israel's history so they the people of israel went down to egypt long ago they were there for 400 years they were enslaved they were mistreated but then god heard their cries he sent to deliver and he brought them out of egypt so the people of israel they understood what was going on here and then that verse there where it says part of the verse that says out of egypt i called my son that's a reference back to the book of Hosea, where the prophet Hosea said that, said that out of Egypt, I will call my son. And I think that's put there as a, as a reference and a reminder that as I delivered you once, I will deliver you again. And so, they, so they're down in Egypt. And then what happens is after a, a few years, and we have this basically this slaughter of these children, these innocents, genocide. Joseph gets another dream and says, it's safe, Herod is dead, you can go back, and they end up in Nazareth. And you look at that, and you go, Jesus from a young age was an exile, should have been in his country of Israel, had to flee, and that's how his life started out. So let's talk about Jesus as an exile, the one who doesn't fit in. So, this is what the Apostle John said. He said he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. So he presented himself later in his life as Messiah. He presented himself as king. I didn't want anything to do with him. And that's not what the kind of king the people wanted. What the kind of king the people wanted. So if you're under brutal Roman oppression, you probably don't want a king who is full of love and mercy. You know what you want? I want the hammer. I want that king who is mighty and powerful. And You know what he's going to do? He's going to obliterate the Roman Empire. They want that conquering king. But that's not what they got. Because the issues with, with the nation of Israel and the issues with all of us are far deeper. And so that night when the angels show up to the shepherds, this is one of the things that they say in the book of Luke. It says, today, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So let's get into this some more. Jesus as the exile. You know, we've talked a little bit. We've sung a bit this morning. Like, why did Jesus come? One of the big reasons Jesus came was to identify with us, fully God, fully man, and to take us to our true home. I know there's lots of good things on this planet, okay, but you know what? This isn't our true home. That's not where we're meant to be. But we have a a bit of a problem. We can't get to that true home in heaven. We have some challenges here, and it's basically centered upon one word, Sin. Now, if you didn't grow up in the church world, not familiar with that, what the word sin just basically means is missing the mark. God has a standard. He expects you to do something for your good. And instead we say, you know what? I kind of want to do my own thing. I'm going to do it. Could be lying. Could be gossip. Could be lust. I mean, go down the list of things. That's what sin is. And as Jesse already said this morning, you know, we've kind of all sinned. That's what it says in the book of Romans. Every single one of us, every person born, the billions and billions of people who've been born, you have all, they have all sinned. And the news gets even worse for us here. Sin always has a price. Always has a price. There's something to be paid with sin, and it's the wages of sin. That's what what you're going to get paid is death. Not just a physical death, but it's a separation of God eternally from everything that's good and right in him. You are separated from that. But Jesus said, I came. I was born. I came to bring you back. So that picture there is an artist's rendition of the Garden of Eden. Okay, that's, just a, that's a picture. I found it. And if you, you know the story in the Garden of Eden, God made everything, and he, everything he said was good. And man lived there. Adam and Eve lived there. They, they communed with God, and everything was good and as it should be. And then sin came in and messed up everything. And death comes in. And judgment for sin comes in. And uh, over the years, you know, I've been able to travel a bit. I've been to four continents. I've talked to so many different people. And you, when you talk to people, you realize, you know what, they might look different, talk different, but they're all kind of the same. People are all the same. And you, what I was talking to them is, you know what, they realize something is wrong with our world something is broken, something is not right, something needs to happen, something needs to change. Even if their own personal circumstances are good, when you look at the world in totality, you say, something needs to change. It is not as it should be. And this is where some verses came in. I, I like those verses out of Matthew, but this is more my sweet spot, because these are three verses that transformed my life, especially the last two verses there. Let's read this together out of the book of John, some very well-known verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So you want to know what the Christmas story is about? The Christmas season is about. It's that god so loved you god so loved me god so loved everybody who's ever hit this planet and that kind of love there that's spoken of it's a sacrificial love it's a it's a it's an unconditional love it's a love of commitment And that's the kind of love that God showed in giving his one and only son for us. And so he comes. He could have condemned. Remember I told you sin. Remember that thing sin. Remember what do we get for sin? It's death and judgment. He didn't come to do that. He came to save you and to me. And those words there, those words there, um, I know we like the love side of Jesus, but these are not my words. These are his words. And if you don't believe in him, what does it say? You stand condemned already. And those were words in my life that totally rocked my world and changed my world. And so he came to give his life. He came to pay a debt you could never pay. You could never fully satisfy what your debt to God. And that's what the perfect son of God did in the Lord Jesus Christ for you and for me. So he died for our sins and he rose again on that third day. He rose again to prove that he is the son of God, to prove that God has accepted his payment payment in full. And that, you know, some of the blessings that we get, not only forgiveness of sin, but he is with us. Not only in this life, his spirit comes to dwell in us and be a part of us, but then we get him for this life. And then we get to our true home with him in heaven for all of eternity. That's good news. That is why he came. So I get to talk to a lot of people, and what they say is this, I hear all sorts of things, cause I, I didn't, when I first heard this all those years ago, when I had lots of hair, you know, back in, back in my Oregon state days, I didn't believe any of this. I go, this is, this is unbelievable. And so I would say, hey, well, God, doesn't He grade on a curve here? Like, you know, how about, how about God grading on a curve? You know, we look at that and we go, we never think we're on the bottom side of the curve with God, do we? We always think, you know, God, I'm at least in the middle, or i maybe, maybe, if I, if I dare to be so bold, maybe top quarter, maybe even top 10%. Okay. That's how I'm at with God. Okay. That's not how God operates. Okay. He doesn't operate that at all. So we like God's love. We, we love it. We, we talk about his mercy and his grace, but just like you have different parts to your personality, they're different parts to God. So he also is holy. That means he's pure. He's also just. He is also, um, he just cannot tolerate sin in his presence. So you can never, ever be good enough. You have to hit the mark every single time. And sorry, God does not grade on a curve. But there's a path back to him. And here's a here's a visual on those verses I just shared with you from John. And it, it's, we're sinful. We can't get to God. We need to be perfect all the time. We can't be that. We're in trouble. That's where that child came, was born in that manger, major, grew up, and became the king that they didn't want, the Messiah they didn't want, and went to that cross for you and for me. That's the path back To God, that's how we are seen as acceptable in his sight through what the Lord Jesus did for us. So I want you to think of a time in your life. Think of a time in your life where you were wronged. So someone may have wronged you. The government may have wronged you. Somebody wronged you. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. A time when you were wronged. Talk to me about that. How'd that make you feel? How'd it make you feel when you were wronged? How'd it make you feel? Oh, sorry offended okay thanks Craig uh, what else well, How did it make you feel think of a time you were you were wronged in your life what what was it how to make you feel anybody sorry unloved okay betrayed okay that's a strong word anybody else Angry, yeah. How about ticked off? Yeah, angry. Okay. I'm gonna tell you a, a situation in my life that occurred um, that occurred earlier this year. I'd been at a conference in D.C. and then uh, Francis said, "You're in the area. Let's go try some other cities." I said, "How about we go to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love?" So I go to the city of brotherly love, and when you're in Philadelphia, what are you supposed to eat in Philadelphia? a philly cheesesteak so for those of you that's a picture off, off, off to my side here that is redding uh terminal uh center that's a massive place indoor market food shops everything but you know what's there i heard you got to go to carmines and Carmine's, and you got to get the philly cheesesteak so being a good tourist i go to i go to philly i get the cheesesteaks i have them in hand i'm i'm wearing i'm kind of post conference gear i got my i got a dress shirt on i got jeans i got uh i have uh, the I have uh, dress shoes on, and I'm holding with my—I'm holding uh, two Philly's cheese steaks in uh, my hand in a bag. Hey. And uh, I have my iPhone in my this hand, and I'm normally pretty aware of my surroundings. And Francis and I were having a bit of a disagreement on directions in uh, downtown Philly. And just so you know, I want to make this public right now. She's always right on directions. I'm awful. Okay. So I guess I'm kind of arguing here. What's well, his argument? But anyways, I'm holding my phone, and somebody in a black tracksuit grabs my phone and starts running down the street and so i wasn't really loving at that point in time i was ticked and so i'm running with a philly chase steak in my hand i'm booking down the streets of philadelphia the city of brotherly love and so i'm running down the street and i'm, I'm trucking after this person i think i went about a mile after this person and uh, I'm, I'm yelling like help thief stop somebody stop him so guess what the good citizens of the city of brotherly love did Nothing! They totally ignored the situation. And so I finally corner the person. I finally get my phone back. I said, all I want is my phone back. And as I'm running after this guy, I'm going like, I hope I lock my iPhone down, because I hope he doesn't clean out my, like, 401k and all these other things. And, and so I get my phone back. And that's my heart rate. As the end of it, I kind of like, I kind of go like, what's, what's my Apple Watch doing at the time? I go, man, that's, I'm kind of booking, not bad for 58, okay? And so I get there. And I'm going to myself, when he took my phone, it wasn't like, oh, that's loving. You know what? I want to love you right now. Go have my phone. Why don't you take my car? Take my house, for example. Okay? You know what I wanted? I wanted my phone back. And if I could get it, I wanted justice. Because you took my phone. Why do I tell you that story? Because we focus so much on God's love. And it is immense. And it is vast. But he's a God of justice as well. And we can't deny that. Where did we get this justice streak in our lives? It comes from him. It's because we're created in his image. And so we're going to have those characteristics that he has. So Jesus, he's this exile. He's this king who came to save so I want to share with you a quote. Now, some of you might be familiar with Tim Keller. So Tim Keller is a uh, is uh, has passed on. He's a, he was a preeminent uh Bible scholar, theologian, church planter, Bible teacher, and this is what he said. I found it on his social media feed the other day. So what he said. So the founders of every other major religion said, "I'll show you how to find God." Jesus said, I am God who has come to find you. What a difference. What a difference. So I want to share a video with you and. It's a, uh, you know, you can't pick up, you can't get on your phone or whatever device you pull your news on, uh, paper, and there's not a story about artificial intelligence. It seems like AI, I mean, AI is, is everywhere. So I, I kind of said, okay, what would it look like if, you know, we've been talking about love this morning. I said, what would happen if, uh, a, if we asked AI what loved looked like? So I want to share this video with you here. Thank you. So when we uh, started this morning, I asked you uh, kind of a question, right? Question, how will you respond to him? Kind of a simple question, but I think a a profound question. And I, uh, you know, in in any audience like this, you know, you have people who are followers of Jesus and people who may be checking him out for the first time or not. So I, I have a way for you to look at this. So if you are a uh, someone who is not a follower of Jesus this morning, I would just get you to consider this. Based on what you've seen, what you've heard this morning, I, I would just just challenge you, encourage you, hope that you would put your faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd believe in the Christmas story and you would commit your life to him as Lord and Savior. That you would ask him to forgive you of your sins, that you would turn from going your own way and go God's way, which is best for you, and that you'd want to live a life fully committed to him. And if you do that, he will be with you. He has promised never to leave you or to forsake you. He'll be there with you in the good times. He'll be there with you in the brutal times, and he'll be with you. And when your time is passed here on this earth, you get to go to your true home and be with him forever. No exile there. You're where you're meant to be. Now, a lot of people in this room, you know, they've heard the Christmas story. I mean, like thousands of times. You've heard it, okay? And sometimes it can just wash over you, and you can become a little numb to it because it becomes so familiar. And here's what I would ask of you here this morning, and we have Christmas Day tomorrow and beyond. I would say marvel again at the story because it's wild that the Son of God who created everything, he would come to this earth is so jacked up and so broken to save you to save me worship should come from our hearts and worship if you're not familiar with that word it just simply means responding to god for who he is and what he's done for you what a time of the year if we can't worship fully this time of the year when can we And then the other thing I would, I would, I would challenge you as a follower of Jesus, and it's a challenge to myself too, is live out his teachings. He said, if, remember what he said is he said, if you love me, you're gonna what? You're gonna obey my commandments. And you know, there's just some things up there I was just thinking of. The message of Jesus, share it. It's mind-blowing. It's profound. But it's the only message that, that radically comes in and changes lives. I mean, some of you know my story. I mean, what a mess. But God comes in and he can change lives and then love people. I mean, my gosh, if you've been around people, I mean, there's so much hurt. There's so much brokenness these days and people need the love of Jesus more than ever. And just be hospitable. Jesus was always with people, meals, wherever. Be hospitable. We, we have a mental health crisis beyond Proportion these days. Be with people. And then finally, just give. Give of yourself. You know, we, we live in this American culture that is so hyper-individualized, so me-focused. Give yourself away. Do that. Because you know what? Jesus did that. For God so loved the world. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the Christmas season. We want to thank you for the Christmas story that, 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 that screams and shouts to us of Emmanuel, God with us. That, that you shall give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And we've already been singing about this morning. They're going to call him Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who he is. But he came, Lord, for a mission, the exile and the king who came to save. So, Lord, my, my heart and my prayer would be this morning that for, for, for someone who may be just hearing about the good news of Jesus and why he came for the first time, I pray that this would be a morning where the spirit would move in their heart and that for the first time they would realize all that you have done for them and that this morning, that this Christmas season, They would receive Christ as Lord and Savior and commit to following them all the days of our lives. And Lord, my prayer is is for those in this room, brothers and sisters in Christ who know you, Lord. But maybe the Christmas story has become a bit stale. Maybe it's become kind of an also ran. Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts through their spirit to reinvigorate and for them to worship and to live out wholeheartedly what it means to follow you. God, we're thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, thank you that you came to save, not to condemn. So give us a great day. Give us a great rest of this Christmas season where we can celebrate hope is born. It's in the worthy and holy name of our King and Savior, the Lord Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen.